On this week's episode of Tales in the Witch House, we follow the story of a man who has been rejected by society and finds a back door into the life he so desperately wants. I'm Bree, and you're listening to the second episode of Tales in the Witch House. Today's story is The Human Chair by Edogawa Rampo. It was written in 1925. Edogawa Rampo was born in 1894 and died in 1965. He really loved Edgar Allan Poe and Western authors. His name, which is a pen name, is actually a play on Poe's name, Edogawa Rampo, which apparently is supposed to sound like Edgar Allan Poe. Rampo gained worldwide fame for his stories, which were filled with the grotesque and the erotic. The story starts off with a woman who is a decently popular author, and she gets a lot of fan mail. The year is around 1920, and she's more successful than her husband, which is uncommon for that time period. Fans often send her works to read, and one day she gets one that has a note on the top of it, and it's a letter confessing to his crimes. The letter begs the reader, the author, to read all the way to the end to understand the workings of his mind. She is drawn to the letter and starts to read it. So from here on, we're reading a letter that is addressed to this female author. The writer then proceeds to say that he is very ugly because he has been living in unsanitary conditions. He says, even though he is ugly, his heart is filled with passion. Since he is so ugly, he has decided to create things that are beautiful. He starts to make chairs. He is one of the best in the area, very skilled and sought after. Luxury chairs only. He doesn't have love or friends because he's so hideous, but he does make these beautiful things that people love. The character really plays on human emotion here by saying how sad and lonely he is. Here's a quote from the beginning of the story. First, let me explain that I am ugly beyond description. Please bear this fact in mind. Otherwise, I fear that if and when you do grant my ultimate request and do see me, you may be shocked and horrified at the sight of my face. After so many months of unsanitary living, however, I implore you to believe me when I state that despite the extreme ugliness of my face, within my heart there has always burned a pure and overwhelming passion. After making really nice chairs for people, he finds himself wallowing in misery due to the fact that his chairs are somewhere completely different in his life than he himself is. Once back to earth, I again found myself a miserable creature, a helpless crawling worm. One day he gets an order for a big leather chair for a foreign hotel. He skips food and sleep and works fully on the chair. It turns out to be his best chair yet, calling it a masterpiece. He gets a great idea and takes the chair apart again. He says that he feels like the devil himself is whispering in his ear. I remodeled the chair so that the knees could be placed below the seat, the torso and the head placed inside the backrest. Seated thus in the cavity, one could remain perfectly concealed. He also made space for food and drink and a large plastic bag for his other human needs, which is really disgusting. He strips down to the waist for some reason and gets inside the chair. It is totally dark and like a grave, and he stays in there until a guy comes and picks up the chair with him inside of it. The guy remarks how heavy the chair is, and the narrator is worried he is found out, but of course he isn't, because who would think that there could be a person inside a chair? It's terrifying. He says his plan is to stay in the chair until he can sneak out, and then walk around the hotel and start stealing things, because no one will ever find him in the chair. He could just run back and hide inside the chair with whatever he's stolen. He compares himself to a hermit crab with a really creepy quote I'm going to read to you. Shaped like a large spider, the crab crawls about stealthily and, as soon as it hears footsteps, quickly retreats into an empty shell from which hiding place, with gruesome, hairy front legs partly exposed, it looks furatively about. 
I was just like this freak monster crab, but instead of a shell, I had a better shield, a chair which would conceal me far more effectively. He proceeds to say he is not going into detail about his stealing adventures. What he really enjoyed was when people sat in the chair. At first, it is just staff members sitting for a minute at a time, but soon a person actually sits on the chair for a long period of time. I'm going to read you a paragraph because I couldn't describe it as well as he does. Before I could anticipate what the next development would be, a large heavy body, like that of a European, fell on my knees and seemed to bounce two or three times before settling down. With just a thin layer of leather between the seat of his trousers and my knees, I could almost feel the warmth of his body. As for his broad, muscular shoulders, they rested flatly against my chest, while his two heavy arms were deposited squarely on mine. I could imagine this individual puffing away at his cigar, but the strong aroma came floating to my nostrils. Just imagine yourself in my queer position, madam, and reflect for a brief moment on the utterly unnatural state of affairs. As for myself, however, I was utterly frightened, petrified, with a cold sweat running down my armpits. Part of the appeal to our narrator is the non-visual element, probably because of his own appearance issues. It's a special thing for him to bond with somebody without sight or without being seen. He does this so much that he starts to be able to distinguish who someone is based purely on the way they sit and smell. Those who were fat felt like large jellyfish, while those who were especially thin made me feel that I was supporting a skeleton. Alright, I'm gonna give you a little warning here. There's some creepy talk about women's bodies. I'm not going to include all of it, but here are some, some parts that are important. Usually women are classified in two large categories, the plain and the beautiful. However, in my dark and confined world inside the chair, facial merits or demerits were of secondary importance, being overshadowed by the more meaningful qualities found in the feel of flesh, the sound of voice, and body odor. Then he falls in love with this one woman. She would sing to herself when no one was around, and her being on his lap gave him some intimacy he has never had before. He starts to think that maybe he wants to just continue to do this for his whole life. Not robbing or making chairs, just being in this chair and having a relationship with this woman. Here's a quote that stuck with me. For those who were as ugly and as shunned as myself, it was assuredly wiser to enjoy life inside a chair. He starts to feel physically ill due to the position he holds himself in for so long each day. He is cramping and unable to stand up. Whenever he gets out of the chair at night to go to the washroom, he actually has to crawl on the floor. That's so scary. Just imagine somebody crawling out of the back of a chair and then across the floor to the bathroom. This woman that he's into moves on because it's a hotel, and there are lots of other creepy descriptions of women's bodies after this, and more love affairs as he calls them. Some of the women possess the firm bodies of ponies, others seem to have the slimy bodies of snakes, and still others had bodies composed of nothing but fat, giving them the bounce of a rubber ball. There were also the unusual exceptions who seemed to have bodies made only of sheer muscle, like artistic Greek statues. After a few months, the hotel is sold and the chair is sold to new owners. They're getting rid of the chair with the new hotel design. He's thinking he needs to get out of the chair with all the stuff he has stolen and live really well. But then he starts to think about the intimacy aspect of the chair and he decides he really needs a Japanese woman instead of a foreign one. He is hopeful that the chair will be purchased by a Japanese woman and he can have a steady love relationship with her from inside the chair. After a few days in the store, the chair is bought by a Japanese man for his wife. She was young and pretty and had a western style study. He is immediately obsessed with her and says she is his true love and the other woman meant nothing to him. He wants to show her his true self, the self inside the chair. Within a month I had come to be with the wife constantly, united with her as one, so to speak. With the exception of the dining and sleeping hours, her soft body was always seated on my knees for the simple reason that she was engaged in a deep thinking task. You have no idea how much I love this lady. 
She was the first Japanese woman with whom I had ever come into such close contact, and moreover, she possessed a wonderfully appealing body. So he plans to be the best chair he can be for her. <laughs> he would adjust himself to make her more comfortable, even though it was painful for him, and he hears her talking about how much she loves the chairs, so he thinks he's doing a really great job. Somehow, possibly by a miracle, or was it just my imagination? This lady now seemed to love my chair deeply, for every time she sat down, she acted like a baby falling into a mother's embrace, or a girl surrendering herself into the arms of her lover. Gross, 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 really nasty. Now, in the letter, which we are reading a letter format to this woman author who got the manuscript at her house, he starts describing that he is inside the chair. No doubt, madam, but this time you must certainly have guessed who the object of my mad passion is. To put it explicitly, she happens to be none other than yourself, madam. Ever since your husband brought the chair from the furniture store, I have been suffering excruciating pains because of my mad love and longing for you. I am but a worm, a loathsome creature. I have but one request. Could you meet me once? Just once? I will ask nothing further of you. I, of course, do not deserve your sympathy, for I have always been nothing but a villain, unworthy even to touch the soles of your feet. But if you will grant me this one request, just out of compassion, my gratitude will be eternal. Last night, I stole out of your residence to write this confession, because even leaving, aside the danger, I did not possess the courage to meet you suddenly face to face, without any warning or preparation. While you are reading this letter, I will be roaming around your house with bated breath. If you will agree to my request, please place your handkerchief on the pot of flowers that stands outside your window. At this signal, I will open your front door and enter as a humble visitor. She is sitting in the chair reading this. And if she wants to meet him, she should leave the handkerchief outside. He wrote this letter hoping for her affection or sympathy, and she, of course, gets up and is running out of the room and freaking out, trying to figure out what to do. I don't know if you guys saw this coming. I really didn't see it coming. And it's so creepy. Just imagine being this woman sitting in a chair with a man talking about how he's been inside your chair and that he's possibly just walking around your house. So as she's panicking, another delivery man arrives with another letter and it is from the same person, same handwriting and same envelope style. It's a simple note and it reads as follows. Forgive my boldness in addressing another message to you. To begin with, I merely happen to be one of your ardent admirers. The manuscript which I submitted to you under separate cover was based on pure imagination and my knowledge that you had recently bought the chair. It is a sample of my own humble attempts at fictional writing. If you would kindly comment on it, I shall know no greater satisfaction. For personal reasons, I submitted my manuscript prior to writing this letter of explanation, and I assume you have already read it. How did you find it? If, madam, you have found it amusing or entertaining in some degree, I shall feel that my literary efforts have not been wasted. Although I purposely refrain from telling you in the manuscript, I intend to give my story the title of The Human Chair. And that's the end of the story. So did he create this hoax to get her to read this manuscript because she's a very famous and well-known author and she doesn't read all the manuscripts she gets? Or was he inside the chair and he had the second letter as a backup plan when he saw her panicking and not putting the handkerchief outside? I'm really not sure if one of those endings is explained to be true. I think it's probably the first one. It was probably just a tactic to get her to read the story but I would like to think it was the second one because it's absurdly creepy and she's gonna check inside the back of her chair and there's gonna be like pea jars and peanut shells or or whatever he's got back there. We end on a note of uncertainty and I think that, that makes the story particularly good. A lot of the writing is really good and it's a very creepy idea. 
in the description, I'm going to put some links that I think you might enjoy. There's a manga that's slightly based on the story that's really good. There's a short film on YouTube that's worth watching and a full narration. So if you want more of the story, please check out those links. If you have any story recommendations for me, you can find me on Instagram at Brianimator. You can find me on Twitch at Reanimator three days a week, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday at 9 p.m. Central Time. I stream horror games, and if you want to pop by and talk to me about any story or you just want to watch a video game, that would be fantastic. I would love to have you. Until then, I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll catch you next time.